0: For a number of months we've been preaching on the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. And last week I mentioned that uh, during the holiday season I wanted to step back from that, get a, get a little break, and we're going to certainly pick it back up the first of the year and we'll, we'll finish out the book of Revelations. But last, Sunday, uh, last Wednesday and tonight I wanted to focus on us being a spirit-filled church. And if you think back to last Wednesday night, I mentioned the fact that Church is spiritual, but there's also the practical side to it. And I mentioned three areas in which we want to be very conscientious to try to do our best. And that's dealing with our property, our people, and programs. And programs could be everything from preaching to to a musical. And it's very important that we do that well, that we do that to the best of our ability. Um, But if we do that and leave out the Holy Spirit, we are truly for sure you know he is filled with the spirit right now a <laughs> fly is attacking me that thing's just running around there like well he's uh, I missed got him <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about you know, a, a church filled with, with the Holy Spirit. And tonight we want to talk about being a Spirit-filled Christian and a Spirit-filled church. And we're going to look particularly at some verses in the book of Ephesians. Because the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, as he is reaching out to that church, he will make a very important statement concerning, concerning the Holy Spirit. Now, the book of Ephesians, Paul approaches that like he does most of his books. When the Apostle Paul writes a letter to a church, usually the first part of that letter is doctrinal. It's theological, talking about the grace of God and and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit and Christ-likeness. And he gets deeply theological, and such is the case in Ephesians chapter 1. I'll just give you a sample of what I'm talking about. Here's how he starts off the book. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3, he tells these folks, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Continue reading in verse number 5 having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. You see, deeply theological here, very theological. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted into the beloved. And that is typically how the Apostle Paul starts all of his books. You find that for sure in the book of Romans. And then he goes from the theological to the practical. Both are important. And that happens in the book of Ephesians, as we just read in chapter 1. Then, towards the end of the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, we read the following in verse number 1. He says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called." Well, prior to that, he's talking about the vocation to which they have been called, theologically, and how that happened, how you get saved, and how you receive uh, the Holy Spirit. And then, in verse number one of chapter four, he says that ye walk worthy of the vocation. He says, "Now, here's how you're supposed to live, knowing what you know theologically." about how you got saved and how God loved you and how he sent his son, how he died on the cross. Knowing all that, that is to affect your life. It should make a difference in your life. He says, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So in the second half of the chapter now, he's getting practical. And in this practical portion of Ephesians chapter 5, In chapter 5, I want to look at verse number 18. That's where we're going to focus. For in that, in his practical advice, he says this, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Practical advice. Practical, not really advice, practical instruction. But what I want us to see is that last phrase. But be filled with the Spirit. So to the Ephesians, he starts off in the first half of Ephesians being deeply theological, setting the groundwork for the practical and how they're to conduct their lives. And in the context of the practical, he says, be ye filled with the Spirit. And folks, the book of Ephesians applies as much to you and I today as it did to the people it was written directly to about 2,000 years ago. God preserved it. He preserved it because it is eternal. It applies to all people in all places at all times. And to you and I tonight, the book of Ephesians, as we call it, that Paul wrote, he says to us tonight to be filled with the Spirit. And you know what? We can get so wrapped up in the practical and making sure the program is just right and everything, the decorations are right, and we should we should do everything as first class as we can around here. But we dare not lose sight of the spiritual aspect because our warfare ultimately is spiritual. And the only way we can be combative, or we, that, that we, not combative, the, on, the only way we can be victorious is to be filled with the Spirit. One well-known preacher and I don't include his name here because that's not important. But one well-known preacher, a lot of some of you wouldn't know him, but a lot of you would know him, said this about that verse. I don't know of a more important verse in the New Testament for the Christian than the Ephesians five eighteen. He says, honest, no exaggeration. I don't know of an important verse or, or a more important verse in the New Testament. He says this verse tells the believer how to live an authentic an empowered life. When you get saved, you start your walk with Christ. When you get saved, you start your Christian journey. You go from blindness to sight, blindness to open eyes. And it's a battle because then Satan will array all the forces of hell against you and against the church. And in our own flesh, we are weak. We don't stand a chance. So this verse is important in that he tells us, be filled with the Spirit. So what does that mean? It's very important that we all go out of here tonight on the same page with this, because if I just leave it at that, it may mean different things to different people. But some insights. Number one, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18 is not a suggestion. It is a command. It's every believer's responsibility. It's written in the present tense. In the present tense, calling for spirit filling to be our habitual practice, our lifestyle, so to speak. It is something that you and I need to be very much aware of, very conscious of. And that's the reason I'm reminding us tonight in this message and last week. Because if we're not careful, we get busy in our lives, and we this can just be pushed to the back burner. And it's part of my responsibility as your pastor to bring it back to the forefront, not just for you, but for me, because I can do the same thing. I can get You can get so busy in the Lord's work that you forget about the Lord's power, and then you just get frustrated. So it's, it's very important to, for, for us to understand that this is a command. Every one of you are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. If you try to opt out, you know, you're, you're doing so at your own peril. We also learn, number two, the present tense also underscores the fact that filling is not a one-time event, but is a repeated action. Each day we need to wake up conscious of the fact that today I need to be filled with the Spirit. It's not necessarily that you get filled with the Spirit and you're filled with the Spirit for the rest of your life. The idea of this verse and the way it's written and the tense in which it is written would tell us that no, this is an everyday occurrence. You are commanded, I am commanded every day to be filled with the Spirit. Number three, the filling is not something we do but something we allow the Spirit to do in us. Our part is to acknowledge the willing, and willingly surrender our will to the Spirit. Now, I did say last week, and it's accurate, that to be filled with the Spirit, we have to pray. You remember that from last week? I said you have to pray. The Bible says you pray to be filled with the Spirit. And obedience is key. But we have to understand that we have to be, a, what this is saying is, we have to be a willing participant. We have to understand the importance of it, yield ourselves to it, and desire it. Number four, given that the Holy Spirit is holy, we also need to keep short accounts and continually confess our sins when he brings them to mind. It's very important that we understand that. We need to make sure that we're confessing our sins. We, we can't be guilty of what I preached on Sunday, and that's pride. Pride would make us not conscious of our sins. We need to be conscious of our sins. We need to keep short accounts. You and I, we're going to sin. By keeping short accounts, that means we take care of it. When we realize that we've sinned, when we understand that we've sinned, or when the Holy Spirit itself has convicted of, of our sins, we need to confess that. Because if we're filled with sin, if we're filled with worldliness, then that's going to block out the filling of the Holy Spirit. Very important for us to understand that. Number five, the verb be filled is, the plur, is in the plural, which indicates the command applies to the entire church. Every church is to be spirit-filled, every church member. We're a team, folks. We're counting on you. And, boy, you did a good job. You showed up. tonight. We had a team meeting tonight, and you're here. That is fantastic. That is, that is encouraging to me. We're a team. You know, if, if you, you go to play a football game and your offensive line doesn't show up, you're in trouble. You know, and you're in more trouble if, 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 as a church family, a good portion of your church family doesn't show up. But we also need to understand that we need to show up as spirit-filled believers. This is a command that is given to everybody. And again, we cannot opt out. If we, if we, if we do so, we're putting brakes on the wagon. And it's, you're making it harder for us to move forward. If a few people are just not taking it seriously or more into sin than you are into service and serving the Lord, you're putting the brakes on the wagon. And, and that happens all to, it's a It's a negative, the terminology would be a negative energy drain. There are negative energy drains in our life. People that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. People that are just creating problems. And it's like a black hole. Then all the energy is going into it. You don't waste energy on spirit-filled people. Spirit-filled people are dynamos. They are contributing energy to the cause of Christ. They're, they're, They're contributing effort to the cause of Christ. People that are filled with the Spirit of God, or overflowing with with the love of God and have a heart for ministry and a heart for others. But people that aren't filled with the Spirit, then by its very definition means that they're filled with something else. And that's going to be a hindrance. That's going to be a weight, as the Bible calls it. Not only for that individual, but for the church. You have a church where half the members take their faith seriously and half are spirit-filled and half are not spirit-filled, that's going to be a tough go. If you have 10% of a church that's spirit-filled and 90% people just kind of doing whatever they want to do for whatever reason, you know, boy, you got the brakes on. But a church where everybody's on board, everybody's on the same page, and everybody's spirit-filled, You've got a dynamo there, energy, doing the Lord's work. Understand, number six, to not be filled, to be spirit-filled, is to disobey God's command, which, of course, is a sin. So if you're not filled, then the opposite of that is you're bringing sin into the equation. And we're not talking about being perfect. There's no such thing as sinless perfection until we get to heaven. But there is such a thing as being spirit-filled. Even though we're sinners, we can still be spirit-filled or the Lord wouldn't have commanded it. But he tells us to be spirit-filled. Now, last week, we saw in Scripture that in order for that to happen, we have to pray that it happens. I prayed that this morning during my devotion time. I'm reminded through what I'm preaching to you that I need to be spirit-filled as your pastor. And I can testify this afternoon that this morning, sitting in my easy chair in my living room... I prayed that prayer. I said, Lord, today, help me to be uh, filled with the Spirit of God. And then we also know that we can quench the Spirit by being sinful. And therefore, we need to be obedient to the Lord. But I want you to see one other aspect of this. I want to add this to it this evening, this quote. We need to do two things. We're talking about being filled with the Spirit of God. And you can be, okay? You, You don't have to be a Bible scholar, you don't have to graduate from a Bible college. I think sometimes we think that being spirit-filled is for the elite, you know, or the, or the people that have been saved a, a long time. No, it's for. there's not a person in this room, if you were saved, you can't, you, that you can't be you know, spirit-filled. You know, it's not something for just the pastor and Brother Jamie and Miss Sharon and what have you. It, it, it is, it's for everybody in this room. We need two things. Emptiness and openness. I love the way this is described. You can't fill a jar that's already full. And you can't fill a jar that is not open. There must be a sense of need. Lord, I'm empty and I need to be filled by your spirit. There must be a willingness. Lord, I'm open to you. Let your spirit fill me now. I just want to challenge each of us tonight to understand that being spirit filled is not for the super spiritual. It's not for just the spiritually mature people. No, the Lord. This is a command, as we saw a while ago. That's for everybody. Everybody, and and that's good news. That 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 is awesome. That you and I, we can be spirit filled with with all of our flaws, and all of our shortcomings, and. You know, with everything that we lack, I mean, we're, we're all aware of just how weak and frail we are. We're all aware in this room of just how, how how sinful each of us are. We know ourselves better than anybody. And yet, the Lord tells us to be spirit-filled. And the good news is, we can be. Now, why is that so important? Why would we seek to actively pursue this Daily filling of the the Spirit of God. And again, I don't care what profession you're in. I don't care your age. I I don't care, you know, your your education or, or, you know, how much money you make. The Lord wants every one of us in this room to be Spirit-filled. And the active pursuit, praying for it, trying to live a Godly life so you can be Spirit-filled, emptying yourself up to the filling of the Spirit will bring blessings. In verse number 18 of chapter 5, it says this, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And here's what will result. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In verse number 18, it said, be filled with the Spirit. And the following verses, and, and I'm just sampling some of them. Really, you could go all the way to the end of the chapter. It's telling us about the benefits. It is worthwhile. It does take some work. It does take some time. It does take some effort. But the benefits are so worthwhile I'll mention three of them that we just read. Number one, a spirit-filled church will be a place where people will sing with joy in their hearts to the Lord. It's verse 18 that says, be filled with the spirit. It's verse 19 that then says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That means... When people are spirit-filled, there will be in each of our hearts a melody. Some of us, all we think about sometimes is doom and gloom. It's always negative. I I, I love hearing people around the church here. They will be up here volunteering, doing this or that, or it could be one of the staff or whatever. And and I'll hear them coming down the hall singing. Singing. And, and, you know, that that tells you that there's a joy in their heart. And here it is connected with the filling of the Spirit. And look, they were in hard times there too. They they were under the the heavy hand of Rome when this was written to them. I mean, they they went through plagues. They they went through droughts. They they had all the problems that, that we would have today. But because they were filled with the Spirit of God, the Lord said, Listen, you can sing, you can have melody in your heart individually. And then collectively, wow, just ratchet it up even more. You come together on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday night, or whatever, you know, and then you got a whole bunch of Spirit filled people singing. Now you know, what, what that is, you know, we, we love to hear that. We love to hear the beautiful singing, but it's what that represents. You know, what, what does it say there? You, you hear the music, but it, what is it really? It's making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, there's, we, we get enough bad news on these 24-hour news channels. You know, we, we need some, some good news. We need some encouragement. And it doesn't get any better than a group of believers coming together, singing and making melody in their heart to the Lord. Not not doing it to make themselves, you know, uh, just have some kind of emotional experience, but but the, the the positive emotion that you do have is because it's focused on the Lord. That's worth you getting up in the morning and praying, Lord. Today, fill me with your Spirit. Lord, help me to be open to your Spirit. And, Lord, help me to control my tongue or my thoughts or whatever, or my actions, whatever it might be that might allow sin in your life that would fill you with sin so that the Spirit can't fill you. So, yeah, it'd be worthwhile tomorrow morning that each one of us get up and say, Today, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. A Spirit-filled church will be a place where people will sing with joy in their hearts to the Lord. Number two... After verse number 19, we skip down to verse number 20. A spirit-filled church will always be giving thanks for all things. Verse number 20. After he says in verse number 18, be filled with the Spirit, verse number 20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the idea of individuals having hearts of thanksgiving. And people that are filled with the Spirit of God are people who are truly in their hearts grateful to God. And with that gratitude, there is an accompanying peace, there's an accompanying joy that we've already read about. And it might be that you don't have this melody in your heart. It may be that you don't have this gratitude because you're not filled with the Spirit. So it's worth it. For you and me to get up tomorrow morning and pray, Lord, today, fill me with your spirit. To wake up tomorrow morning with a conscious awareness that having come to church on a Wednesday night and the Lord preaching on this from the book of Ephesians, you wake up tomorrow morning with maybe a conscious awareness that you didn't have last week. And tomorrow morning in your devotions, you're praying, say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And one of the resulting Things that happen then, it's your field with a grateful heart. You know, it, it's people that aren't grateful that tend to be bitter and, and angry and, and selfish. Grateful people just have a peace about them. They, they have a joy about them. And ungrateful people, just curmudgeons, gripey, grumpy, what have you, So think about it when a church full of people get together that aren't filled with the Spirit. According to this, pretty good chance they're not going to be very grateful. And if they're not grateful, then that means they're more gripey, complaining about this. Well, I didn't get this, I didn't get that, and I didn't have this, and this did not go in my way, and they didn't vote on this the way I wanted it, and, and on and on it goes. So there's huge benefit. But what if we come together and everybody's got a grateful heart? Everybody's grateful that they've got health enough to be here. You got a roof over your head, you got some bologna in the refrigerator that you're gonna fry when you get home, and doesn't get any better than that. You know, think about a church coming together filled with grateful people. That's worth us getting up tomorrow morning and saying, Lord, would you today fill me with your spirit? And number three, a spirit filled church is a church where people are continually willing to submit themselves to each other each another in the fear of Christ. So it's verse number 18 that says be filled with the Spirit. Skip down to verse number 21, and it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It's people that aren't proud. You've erased the number one or you've defeated the number one complaint that God has about us, and that being pride. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Rather than people being upset and mad at each other because things didn't go their way. How can I serve you? Here, take my seat. Here, park in my parking lot. Here, I'll go get your car. It's raining outside. It's snowing. Let me walk you there. It's just, you know, what a wonderful church. What a wonderful oasis of love. You know, we, we deal with enough junk at work or junk at school or junk out in society. We, we deal with, with all that kind of stuff. We come together here at a church, though, if it's a spirit-filled church, it's a church where there's melody in our hearts. There is gratitude in our hearts. And we're not trying to dominate others. We're not trying to bull our way through and have our way. We're submitting to one another. Sure, whatever you say, I'll be happy to help. Whatever you want me to do. You know, we're going to, were you going to do this? Or a pastor decided to change this? Or Brother Jamie, want to do that? Oh, hey, I'm a team player. What, what, whatever? You know, whatever we need to do. That's the way people that are filled with the Spirit of God behave. And that's the kind of people you want to be around. And that's the kind of people we need to want to be ourselves. I like this quote The church becomes irrelevant. When it becomes purely a human creation. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and the presence of the Spirit of God. God has more in store for us than us just trying to get through life or even do ministry just in our own weak flesh. We can't do it. The answer is what? Is taught in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. Be filled with the Spirit. It is a command. I don't know about you. I don't need to be on God's bad side, if you will. When my dad used to tell me something to do, he meant for me to do it. And for me not to do it, I'm on his bad side. When God tells us to do something... He means for us to do it because just like with my dad, it was in my best interest for me to do it. Dad had a reason for me to do it. My dad loved me. Anything my dad asked me to do. You know, it's, in, it's Christmas season. It was, what, three years ago? Christmas Eve. I got a phone call. I was thinking about that today. Thinking about my dad and how much I miss him. It's Christmas Eve, I got the phone call from my brother Steve saying that he had, he had passed away. But my dad loved me. But my dad also raised me right and he he gave me responsibilities for my benefit. He told me what to do for my benefit. And I'm, to whatever degree I'm a good person, humanly speaking, my dad would get the bulk of the credit. So our heavenly father tells you and me to be filled with the spirit. He didn't tell us to clean out the garage or, you know, mow the grass like our dads do here. He tells us something far more important than that, as important as that is or was. He tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Every day, we need to wake up with a conscious awareness. we got a lot on our plates every day. I mean, I, I'm thinking what i got to do tomorrow. i got appointments and what have you, and that's all important, and I need to, to do it. But I, I won't do any of that as well if I'm not filled with the Spirit. If I'm filled with the Spirit, then I'll be able to minister to people better, make wiser decisions, wiser choices, have more power, if you will, and, and the influence of Christ in my life. And key for me tomorrow is to wake up being filled with the Spirit. Tomorrow some of you will wake up to go to jobs where there's challenges and there's difficulties and maybe difficult people. Or maybe you just, you know, at home, getting older and struggling with this and that. You know, you you need the filling of the Spirit for whatever you do as well. And I think we will go a long way as a church If we, tomorrow morning, as a congregation, each one of us, start our day off in our prayer time with part of that prayer being, Dear Lord, fill me with your spirit. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.